Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Sans Pants Radio, powered entirely by the wishes of centaurs. Hey guys, it's Carney here. And Damo. We're taking the show on the road. Because some cities just need a live show. Movie Maintenance is coming to the Harbour City for a live fix. Join Gabe, Handsome Tom, Drob and myself for our first show outside of Melbourne. It's on Thursday the 16th of November at Knox Street Bar in Sydney. Find tickets by going to trybooking.com and searching for Movie Maintenance or just hit us up online and we'll let you know where to go. Cheers. Welcome to another episode of Movie Maintenance. I'm Damien. I'm Carney. I'm Kathy. And this week, we're looking at The Creature from the Black Lagoon. Cool. Cool. So I, I chose this one. We spoke about doing these, these, these sort of more classic ones a while ago. Yep. And I chose this one without having seen it. Mostly because I'm like, the photos I'd seen of the creature were so <laughs> comedic and hilarious. And even just the word lagoon is a great word. So I chose that with with really no sort of idea for how I was going to fix this film. Yep. And then realistically, I watched it a week ago. Yep. And I had a really good time. <laughs> not because the movie itself was a great movie. It's not. It's sort of over the top in that real old school way that strips any actual horror from it. Yep. At all. It's almost like an adventure film. And even you look at... So, th- these are all generally bought by Universal these days. And that's what Universal are trying to do with the dark universe. And you look at them now and they're really more adventure films. Mm-hmm. Like The Mummy, yeah, it's got some horror parts, but it's also got comedy in there. And it's it's really more of an adventure film. I very much think of The Mummy as an adventure film. Yeah. And yeah. I think these ones by today's standards... I think Is this back- the Brendan Fraser Mummy? Yeah, yeah, or, or even, even the Tom Cruise recent one. Right, okay. Yes. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Which is even more of an adventure film yeah. than a horror one. There's like a I remember being a kid around. and being like scared at quite a few elements of the Brendan Fraser yes. stuff, yeah. but not so much anymore. But yeah, so I, I sat there and I watched The Creature from the Black Lagoon and I was like, visually, there are some actually like beautiful shots in it. Couldn't like, agree more. You know yeah. the one where she's swimming, like doing backstroke yes. in the lake and then the creature's kind He's of like underneath just her, underneath her. Mimicking her actions. Yeah, which I thought that was brilliant. Very creepy. Like if they filmed that today, that would yeah. be an incredible scene. Exactly right. Yeah. yeah, I couldn't agree more. But then, and this is the hard part for writing this one, they immediately show the thing. Oh, yeah. And so- there's no mystery. There's no like build up. There is a few scenes of like the arm coming out. You see the arm first, yeah. Yeah, but even then, you know, like there it is. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and and because we also already know what the creature looks like because it's an older film and rah rah rah, that part of it is stripped away as well. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like like with the supernatural ones, there's that element of what's it going to be, you know, and your imagination makes it worse than it already is. Oh yeah. But for this one, we already know what it is. So 
it's it was quite hard for writing it. And even with watching it, I when it came up, I'm like, oh yeah, that's yep. what it looks like, and it's kind of funny. If anything, I'm not familiar enough with like old school horror, but I think they just tended to show the creature quite a bit. It was yeah. really like Spielberg when they had the malfunctioning shark on yeah. Jaws that. Was he kind of the pioneer of that sort of I reckon thing he must where you have don't been, show Because, it? yeah, like like I said, you get the arm a lot and I think that's probably to save money on, hey, we'll just do the arm of the costume first. Yeah. But then, yeah, not too long after, we see it. And it's, it's not even a big reveal in, yeah. in the, this, the 50s version. It's just, oh, there he is. He's sort of watching them from, from <laughs> some weeds or whatever. You see him so much in the so film. Much, it's crazy. Yeah. I also love that anytime someone gets attacked or injured by him, yeah. Like, you really don't see the aftermath of the injuries. No. Like, they're yeah. skipping on the budget on that. Like, one guy gets his face mauled because that's, like, this thing's favourite move is to, right. like, wrap its hands around their face. Yeah. And then the next second, it's like, you don't see the cuts or anything. You just see him and he's got, like, bandages around his head yes. for the whole film. Yeah, exactly right. <laughs> and that's it. And like, uh, the fight scenes were oh, <laughs> kind fuck. of amazing. Yeah. Uh, and like- I just loved, like... <laughs> Their fight, you know, they've been building that tension the whole movie. Yes. And they had that fight towards the end and he punches him in the face. And just the reaction to the punch, he was standing up still, but he was dazed. Like that little punch in the confined space yeah. knocked him out. And then he recovers and then he does the same to the other guy. <laughs> yeah. It was awesome. I actually really, yeah. at that point I was like, I'm actually having a lot of fun I'm with I'm having this a movie. lot of fun, right? Yeah. And that's the thing. And the, the other interesting thing was it didn't actually have a lot of story. No. It was very much so, like I can give you a very quick synopsis of the movie because it's these scientists come into this area, find a skeleton arm of one of the creatures and decide they want to find the rest of the skeleton. And then that's pretty much it. They go to the lagoon looking for that. And then the rest of the movie is they quickly, fairly quickly discover the creature and then it's them trying to capture it. And that's kind of the whole story. There's some cool things raised in it. Like I like the whole idea of a group of scientists who go there and they weren't expecting to fight a monster. They're just expecting to look for fossils and stuff. So they have to adapt and deal with that. But the story's kind of non-existent and everything's really repetitive. It's like they keep paddling out and like, oh, how they drugged the water. Yeah, yeah. But then went swimming in the water. (laughs) Like, yeah, like so it only affects fish. And to be honest, yeah. I actually utilize that in my version. Cool. <laughs> don't explain it either. But yeah, like some of the ideas are sort of uh, antiquated by yeah. today, but there's something real charming about it. There is. There's something charming about just the kind of cheap shittiness of it. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah. I-, I had a great time. I had a great it. time. But then on the other hand, some of the ideas, especially the, the science behind their reason for being there, and they're, they're speaking of the Devonian era, which I'll get into in my pitch. I actually was gen- as like someone who studied science and all the rest. I was generally like that works. That's actually like it's accurate science. Really? It's interesting science. <laughs> and you know, while obviously a uh, creature from the Black Lagoon doesn't exist, the uh, idea of it has not yet been proven. Has to not exist. been proven to exist. Okay, okay thank you. Well, I love that like exploration a little bit at the start. Yeah. Where oh, actually it might be sort of even towards the end of the film where they're kind of like, well, you know, because this is the fifties and like we're yeah. just starting to explore space. Yeah. We don't know what's below us either. It's re- it's actually it's, fascinating. It's quite good, yeah. right? Um, but then it does get a bit repetitive and, yeah, obviously the creature. There's no suspense as in when he's going to come because half the time we see him more than the others. Like we're just seeing him approach them. Yeah. And, like, because it's obvious that for the suit they've got, there must be some kind of limited movement because he's, oh, he's yeah. very stiff and, you know, <laughs> walking around. When they shine the flashlight on him and he's just really stiff and then he just kind of, like, does a pin drop dive. Because <laughs> he can't <laughs> he just, even move. <laughs> he just flops in. It's But, like, the, a lot of the beats are really repetitive. It annoyed me like every time they're all standing on the boat looking and then it's always the character of Kay yes who slowly turns sees the creature and then screams and right. that's that was it they did that yeah. about oh, 10 times in yeah the film. yeah and that was just their go-to that must yeah. have been enough in the past for audience to be like oh my gosh yeah. oh she screamed again <laughs> i'm scared it's got that beautiful just like sort of old feel charm though like you know when they decide they're gonna 
make the drug. They're going to put it in the thing so they can yes. shoot it at its face. And then we get to watch them make it. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they just stand there and they're doing it and they're mixing it and it goes on forever. And I'm For like, a while, oh, yeah. Sean. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Where other know. things, yeah, they actually don't show all of it. Like they sort yeah. of pick and choose almost the wrong elements to show. Yeah. But we get the whole story like yeah. again. But yeah, I actually had quite a lot of fun. Yeah. It made me actually want to watch more of those old school horrors. Absolutely. That's yeah. that's the same. So I've watched two sort of in the last week or so and I have a lot of fun. There are obvious limitations to the storytelling. Yes. But it's really interesting because I don't watch a lot of old films. No. But it's interesting just to watch how things like editing and pacing are mm. completely different. Yeah. Back yeah. in the 50s. Very much, like, yeah. And, and the way they choose to shoot them because I noticed this when I watched the Snowman film is – they're building this scene, which I'm, I'm guessing in the 50s was really susen- uh, suspenseful and, and, and you know done with horror and everything. But they don't cut, like there's no editing. They don't mm. cut to like the quick close-up that yes. would scare you. Yeah, it's yeah. just all a sort you of, see all mid of to wide shot. And yeah. it's like, to us, it's just kind of like, oh, okay. Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you took the sort of the, the worst part out of it. Yeah, the black yeah. and white actually, I, I like, you know, watching these old ones in mm. black and white. But there was a moment in this film where I was like, oh, this the fact that it's black and white kills this scene right. it's like a bit where there's like someone's blood or something on okay. the deck of the yeah, ship yeah. Yes. you can't see it because they look at it and go oh and it just looks like water because right. they're on a ship exactly right <laughs> yeah yeah and that's it you do there yeah. and even for the, the creature itself i have to imagine surfaces so just shades of gray because everything shades of gray it's black and white but i have to imagine if it was in full color it would have a, a greater effect what on color do you picture so i, I picture it as like a quite dark gray gray see i was oh, sorry green sorry green what am i saying yeah, yeah but i had moments where i was like Purple. Really? Okay. Yeah. For, yeah. Why though? Because monsters can be purple. Okay. okay. <laughs> For some reason, yeah. That's hey, an interesting question. Because I just naturally am like, yeah, it's green. green. It's no, green. no, I'm not yeah. going to lie. Green was my first instinct. Yeah. But then I kind of was like, maybe, you know, I don't know. I entertained the notion. I think of pep- like monster as purple though. Okay. Inherently. I don't know why. Damn, you're a scientist from a scientific yeah. background. What, it color? Would, what it color would, would it be? It would more than likely, if it's in that environment, it would have to be green. To, Wouldn't have to be. It would or more gray. than likely be green to camouflage. Because of camouflage, yeah. yeah. Like it's a very swampy area. I want to tip my hat to one thing in the film that I quite liked. Because I just like any time when uh, you've got a film like this, mm. uh, it, it, kind of like a King Kong or something like that, where you've got a character who's really just driven by like, I want to capture this so that we can profit off it. Mm. And yes. how that conflict yeah, yeah. comes in against you know, the other scientists. And that. Mm. So it did that pretty effectively. It did that pretty effectively, yeah. Which it didn't build up though to any, like they had their little fist fight. Their little fist fight, yeah. <laughs> but after that, they were just bros again until yeah. he dived in and, and you know died. Sure. But, like yeah. that but in today's says- standards would be an epic moment where the music right. would swell and suddenly there he is underwater shooting at the monster yes. saving his friend. Right. But it was just kind of like a bit of a, oh, yeah, that, yeah. that's probably See, him. Yeah. And like for, for one, one, one part of me says, oh, it's nice that it's not just a two-dimensional character who's like all about the money and it's that's like there's, there's always a limit to that where you're like, uh, no one's that callous and yep. r- shit. But the nice part comes up there, which I think they should have done, is actually have – our main guy, David Reed, who's all about conservation and we don't need to kill it, actually have the conflict of, I no, have to kill I think it. I need to do it. I mean, like, again, that's sort of what I'm trying to get across in mine. Cool. I actually, I liked some of the characterizations in this. Mm. They tried to do a lot of things that didn't really work out, but mm. I actually liked that they, they tried to go there at least. Yeah. I, so I, it was interesting from that point yeah. of view. And thematically, there was things that basically because of the science background of the right. story, there were things to kind of chew on that I, you know, yeah, you I, I really was entertained. Enjoy. Yeah, and that's it. And like, look, my expectations were probably pretty low, um, maybe unfairly just because it was an older film, but it, it did deliver on a lot of that stuff. One thing I, it didn't deliver on for me was the ending where basically oh, yeah. everyone just gathered around and shot it. You're like, okay, well, was that easy? Yeah. 
why we why is this thing an issue? Like, mm-hmm. why don't we do this from the start almost? Yep. You know, it's killed a number of people. Yep. If you could have just shot it, well, maybe you should have shot it. <laughs> you know, that was frustrating. But also, too, when like they're shooting it and then Dave was like, no, no, yeah, let it go. Yeah. And it's like, don't let it. This is what no. you've been doing the whole film. Right. It goes, it gets in the water. For all they know, yeah. it swam away. I, I was even thinking up until the very last frame when it looked like, oh, yeah, it's probably dead. Yes. I was like, it's still alive, right? It's still alive, right? Yeah, they're going to do the old, like, seems like it's dead and then like a leg twitches. Yeah. yeah. You know and then it right. swims away. So it's stupid on behalf of the characters not to just, just finish it. Yeah. Even like. But I thought he was saying, like, let it go, like, let him die in dignity. Like, yeah, that's but, what right. I interpreted that as. When the whole film is kind of like, they're trapped in this place now and can't get out because this creature won't let them leave. It's <laughs> yeah. like, kill it so you can leave. Yeah. <laughs> because otherwise, this film just is going to. Re- like, <laughs> I would worry that even though the credits roll, the film's mm. still going to repeat itself right. after the, <laughs> after the end the of facts. the story. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I got about halfway through the film and I thought, they're obviously playing the angle that the creature is in love with the woman. Yeah, yeah, like the King Kong angle. Yeah, yeah. and then she was going to have a moment where she's like, no, no, don't kill it. But then yeah. they never did that. No, yeah, it was almost like a, a no, poor man's King Kong in that way. End. Yeah, because like, yeah. yeah, when he kidnapped her, you're thinking, oh, okay, we're going to see some compassion from the creature, which no. again, if we're going for straight horror, well, we wouldn't have at all, Yeah, which again makes me think oh, it was more of an adventure film. But yeah, it was like a poor man's King Kong, but then didn't actually didn't deliver do on that. So then when David gets into the cave, she's just lying on a rock there. Yeah. Why is the creature underwater? Is it so <laughs> yeah. we can have the cool shot of it coming up and then fighting him? It was kind of weird. It was like, why did you take her down? Yeah. There? What was your end it'd be, game? It'd be great to talk to the director and be like, so some of these choices, uh, <laughs> what was the thinking there? Because yeah. <laughs> like, I really don't don't know, but yeah, it's still fun. All right, should we get into this? Alrighty. All right, so we start off with the same big bombastic music from the original blaring in. So... We've got these big sort of horns and all that sort of stuff. And we even see the old school universal logo, the world, in black and white. We zoom in on that globe, moving in on South America, then Brazil, and into the Amazon jungle. Still black and white. We come down onto a lagoon. It's dark. Dare I say black. (laughs) A man kneels beside it. He wears typical old school jungle attire, khakis and a shirt, and he looks absolutely wrecked. He's pale, he's sweating, he's kind of bloated with like rings under his eyes and his clothes are dirty and sweat stained. And we see that he's using a thick stick to hammer in a small homemade sign beside the lagoon. And then we see he's crying as he does so, this just weary weeping. And he pauses in his work just long enough to vomit up a thick stream of blood. He throws the stick aside and stumbles to his feet. He takes a few shaky steps before his eyes roll up into his head and he loses consciousness, dropping down beside the lagoon, one hand flopping into the water. From underneath, we see the hand that's submerged. Blood leaks from his fingernails into the water in ribbons of black. We watch the blood drift down into the depths of the lagoon. Then, movement. A murky figure breaks away from the dark undergrowth of the lagoon and slowly rises. We cut back out of the water to the comatose man and then slowly pan across to the sign he was hammering. On it is the universal symbol for danger, a skull and crossbones painted in blood. In the background, out of focus the man's body gets pulled into the water. And then time moves forward. Days and nights flicker past as we hold on the same scene it transitions into colour and clarity. The sign fades, moss starts to etch its way over it and it's soon lost to the jungle. We see years pass before time starts to slow down and finally stop, and it's still, until we hear the roar of a boat engine. We move away from the lagoon and zoom up the river until we get to this large boat, the word Rita printed on the side. (laughs) At the stern of the boat is David Reed. He's tough but boyish, played by, I'm thinking, Taron Egerton. 
Okay. He looks out at the passing scenery and he's just clearly ecstatic. He's happy, he's excited in his element. David is an ichthyologist, which is, in short, a fish scientist. Science. Another man steps up beside him, older. He looks about at the same scenery and has the opposite reaction. Disgust. This is Keenan Reed, David's older brother. He's a bit dry, he's a bit sarcastic, not a huge fan of nature. And I'm thinking Joel Edgerton, just because I think it's funny <laughs> that they share the last name, but okay. aren't actually related. Yeah. Keenan walks up to David and says, you know, Rio de Janeiro is also in Brazil. Surely they've got fish you can look at. David chuckles at his brother's obvious disgust. Yeah, but this is the Amazon. Not only are there areas that have yet to be explored or excavated, the vegetation here is almost the same as it was in the Devonian era. It's a relic of that time. David goes on to explain that the Devonian era is also known as the Age of Fish, and that it was during this era that fish first developed lungs and moved from the sea to the land. Think about it, he exclaims. Our ancestor, in the form of a fish, did the unthinkable, crawled onto land and took a breath. Think about the millions of years of evolution that had to occur to allow that to happen. The string of freak mutations that caused the first fish to develop limbs. And what's more, those early precursors still exist today, here. Lungfish, unchanged since early Devonians, still live in these waters, but they didn't make it onto land. I want to find the fossils of the ones that did. His passion is obvious, his enthusiasm infectious. Except to Keenan, who's heard this a million times before. Keenan says, okay, but... Why am I here? David plays along. Because you love geology? Please, no one should love geology. Because you love fish? Oh, no. At best, I am ambivalent to fish. Because I offered you a free trip to Brazil? That's sounding more right, although I can't imagine why I ever thought that was a good thing, he says, slapping at another insect. Perhaps because you're the best big brother ever? I mean, friggin' guardian angel is what I am. <laughs> David laughs and throws his arm around his brother. This is the reason Keenan's here. For all their differences, the brothers are best friends and would support each other in anything. The boat stops and David turns to see Dr. Carl Mayer, who I'm thinking Benedict Wong. So he's sort of the yep. older academic. Yep. Uh, he's a geologist. So he approaches and David's super excited. He's like, we're here. Carl's like, yep, this is the area my research indicated. Almost untouched since the Devonian. David's just so ecstatic. He's like, and we're the first excavated. He goes, well... A uh, research team did come out here in the 50s, but <laughs> never returned. Didn't have the technology we have today. Likely the savages killed them. He's basically a bit racist. <laughs> Marianne, the boat captain, a rough and crusty Brazilian local, hears the comment and says, yeah, no doubt a tribe of cannibals ate them all. Precisely, Carl replies, missing the sarcasm. <laughs> then the last member of the scientific team calls out, you know, you guys could help. This is Dr. Marsha Williams, who I'm thinking Queen Latifah. <laughs> Because cool. she's sort of like a bit of a tougher character, a bit of a hard ass. She's the opposite to David. She's lacking his yeah. enthusiasm, more pragmatic, you know, yeah. more interested in a result. She'd be so great as a scientist. <laughs> yeah. All right, cool. And so she's helping the crew. So there's a, there's a bunch more crew on the boat, a bit, but these are our main team, basically. Yeah. So we get a montage. We see them setting up a dig site by the river's edge. And at the start, we see David's enthusiastic, exuberant. But as the days pass, he starts to wilt a little bit. Then we stop and they're taking a break, eating some food by the dig site when out of the undergrowth comes a snake. David's immediately enthralled. He rattles off the scientific name for it and starts moving towards the animal for a closer look. Keenan calls out not to get too close, but David's confident that the animal won't attack him. It's all about respect, he says. Treat animals with respect and they'll do the same for you. Williams hears this and calls bullshit. Hmm. She tells him if he thinks a snake is going to show him respect, he's fooling himself. All animals, hell, all life is ruled by two drives, survival and reproduction. And all it takes is to get between an animal and one of those two factors and it will attack without remorse. And I'm including humans in that equation, she says, even you. 
nonsense, he replies. Animals are capable of compassion and curiosity. Just look at any pet. It's all about how you treat them. If you treat them like a threat, then that's all they'll be. David stands, and that's when the snake strikes. Hmm. It's fast, but Williams is faster. Her blade comes down through the snake's head and pins it to the ground as David stumbles back and falls into the dig site. Williams looks into the brush where the snake came from. Eggs, she tells him. What did I tell you? Survival and reproduction. He just says, you didn't have to kill it. (laughs) He goes to brush off his hands and realises one of his palms is bleeding. He looks down onto the ground where he's knocked some dirt loose and there's something sticking out of it. "Uh, Guys, I think I've got something, he calls out. Cut to later and they all hover around a fully excavated, fossilised hand. But this is clearly no human hand. The fingers are long and thin with claws that end in needle-like points. And in the stone around it is the impression of webbing between the fingers. They all talk excitedly about the find. Even Keenan's getting enthused. Look at the muscle imprint around the bone, Carl points out. This thing must have been strong. <laughs> Williams gives a rare smile at the find, then immediately goes back into boss mode. Carl, I want you to carbon date this thing. Tell me how old it is. David, you help him out and see if you can't figure out this thing's closest ancestor from the fossil record. And then get back here and help Keenan. Help me? Keenan asks. What am I doing? Digging, she replies. I want to find the rest of that skeleton. Is Keenan a scientist? No. So no, what? I see him as just like a volunteer. So he's just there. Yeah, for his best he's just there brother, for his brother. Yeah, yeah exactly right. Yeah. So we move to the bowels of the boat to the makeshift lab Carl has set up in there. It's crammed full of equipment and machines, even a miniature Wi-Fi tower to help them have access to the net. He confirms that the creature is indeed from the Devonian era. And David says that despite its humanoid appearance, the closest match he can find for this thing is like a frog. But that's like comparing modern humans to the rodent-like mammals that survived the Ice Age. David can't contain his excitement. This is going to be huge, he tells Keenan. A human offshoot, no relation to Homo sapiens, previously undiscovered. It's going to rock the world of science. We even see him pull a reluctant Keenan in with him to take a selfie with the hand so he can Instagram it. <laughs> Hashtag blessed. <laughs> we see the dig site get bigger and deeper, but they find nothing. Williams, ever the pragmatist, is just about ready to actually call it a day. They're running low on supplies. It's time to take their prize and go. Use it to get some more funding and return later. David's reluctant, though. He wants this, and he's worried that some other team will come here and find it before they get a chance. He's on the river's edge, and he kicks a rock into the river, and he sees it move downstream before sinking below, which makes a thought occur to him. What if part of the embankment fell into the river at some point and washed downstream? Marianne, he says to the captain, where does this part of the river lead to? Marianne looks up and a pause before she says, a lagoon. (laughs) That's it, David says. If the skeleton washed downstream, that's where it would be, trapped in that lagoon. Williams considers. Marianne hesitates, then tells him that the locals, they consider this area very dangerous. They call it the Preto Lagoon, or Black Lagoon, and avoid it at all costs. Carl scoffs and says some line about superstitious savages. (laughs) David just looks hopefully at Williams, who's still considering. Finally, she nods. We cut to and the boat's flying down the river. We rise above it into an aerial shot as it enters the Black Lagoon and we get our first real good look at it in full colour. Lagoon is huge and kind of beautiful, like a swampy oasis. The boat slows down to small chugs and we rush down into the water following these reverberations until we get to a crevasse in the lagoon floor. We hold on this shot, our eyes peering deep into the black of the crevasse. We know what we're getting and we're just waiting for the inevitable (laughs) movement. We wait and wait. Then the shadow of a limb stretches out, the live version of the fossilised hand, and two round alien eyes catch a gleam of light from amongst the shadows. What do the eyes look like? Because in the 54 version, it's like they grabbed 
diamonds or something and just right. like rammed them just into the mask. Them in. <laughs> yeah. Uh, look, for this one, I just see well, this image. I just see it as like a little bit of lights managed to catch them. So it's just yep. sort of that glassy eyed look. Sure. You know, you might get from a cat sometimes when it's standing in the sunlight or something. Yeah, gotcha. But like later on, sort of real sort of bug eyed and, yep. and just sort of, yeah, blank or misty, I guess almost. Cool. Back to the boat and they've dropped anchor. David's enthralled by the twisted beauty of the lagoon. He just has to explore it. So he starts stripping off, ready to jump in. Kenyon stops him like, what the hell are you doing? There could be anything in there. David thinks, nods and says, yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. I need my guardian angel. So he grabs Kenyon's arm, falls backwards over the boat, dragging him in with him. From underneath, we see the two brothers fall into the dark water, bubbles streaming up around them. The water looks murky, but kind of refreshing and a few fish dart away. It's nice. And then across the screen passes a swarm of leeches, compressing and elongating as they move through the water. Now, I don't know if you guys have ever seen uh, leeches swimming, but it is horrific. It is proper disgusting. I don't even like thinking about leeches. They kind of like squirm through the water. It's, oh, like I saw this video and it just creeped me the fuck out. Like, uh, mm. anyway, the two brothers are oblivious. Kenan's now a bit more relaxed and they're splashing and dunking each other, acting like children. David gets on top of Kenan and pushes his head down into the water where he opens his eyes. And that's when he spots the leeches heading right for them. He struggles against David, who still thinks he's just playing around, but Keenan starts to become frantic. Finally, his head breaks free. Leeches, he cries. Cool, David says, <laughs> and puts his head under to see them. They're getting closer, and as they do, we see that these aren't even your usual leeches. For one thing, they're huge. They're about the size of a baby's forearm. Ugh. And secondly, they're not the usual black, but more of like an, a dark army green with a slick shimmer of red running over them. Keenan heads straight for the boat ladder, not interested. Climbs up, but only realised David hasn't moved. Get up here now, he calls out. But David's not listening. He's too excited. (laughs) This is a new species, he says. (laughs) David, get out of the fucking water, Keenan tells him. I need like a photo or maybe we can get a live sample or something. David, he calls out. David rolls his eyes at, you know, big brother Keenan, but relents and starts swimming towards the ladder. They're only leeches, he says. Worse, you lose like a bit of blood. Keenan holds out his hand to help him up the ladder when he sees one of these giant leeches has crawled onto the side of the boat and is stretching itself out towards David's leg. I'm thinking Keenan bats at the disgusting worm with the back of his hand, but all that does is give the thing some skin to latch onto, which it does. Keenan immediately starts screaming. Now, normally leech bites aren't painful. In fact, they secrete an anaesthetic that stops you from even being aware they've attached themselves to you. But this isn't a usual leech and the pain is immense. Keenan falls backwards into the boat and David quickly leaps down to him. He's oh, shit, shit, uh, we need salt, we need salt or something, all right? David says, getting frantic. Carl approaches and almost faints at the sight of the thick slug <laughs> slurping away at Keenan's blood. Marianne pushes David out of the way and grabs the fat end of the thing and pulls, but nothing. It doesn't move. Its suckers are sealed on so well that it doesn't budge an inch. Keenan cries out again, his scream full of terror and pain. Finally, David does something. He grabs an oar and bashes at the thing to no effect. It can stretch, it can press, it simply takes the blows. Then William's machete crosses the screen and parts the leech in two. The bottom end of it falls to the boat where it squirms and wiggles wildly. The top half is still affixed to the back of Keenan's hand until Williams gets her knife tip under the suckers and slowly pries it free, flicking it to the ground with the rest of it. Blood rushes down Keenan's arm. And on the back of his hand, we see three rings in the form of a triangle. Sucker marks. Lots of tiny filaments sticking out of them that slowly sink into Keenan's skin. It's, it's okay, it's okay, David says unconvincingly. It, it was just a leech. Cut to later, and Williams is explaining their plan for the next day. Her and David will go down to collect a bunch of rock samples from all over the lagoon floor so Carl can compare them to the fossil and find out the most likely place to dig. Keenan's pretty strongly opposed to the idea. His hand is now bandaged and he's kind of looking a bit tired. David is always far too confident, telling him, look, wear wetsuits. The leeches won't be able to get through them. 
Kenan just replies, well, what if they can? Like, come on, you got to think. And that's when Marianne approaches and explains that she has something that might help, a powder that the locals use for fishing. <laughs> it's basically this poison that causes some of the fish to go unconscious and rise to the surface. Not really an honest form of fishing, but it, it should help with the leeches. Is it? Had any advances in the last? No, I've kept it exactly the same. It's too good not to use. David's like, he's making such dumb choices. I half expect him to get that powder and just start snorting it. Yeah, he's he's a bit of an idiot. But like, I've uh, I've gone out, like, so I've gone to a bit a few jungles and that sort of stuff. And probably when you went to Nepal, there are people who just don't seem to get that this is dangerous. Yeah, they're just yeah. They're just so excited, they're so keen to be on an adventure, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That they don't realize the reality is you you could get killed at a moment's notice. Yeah. And again, like the character in the movie, the David Reed in the movie, that's how I felt he was a bit. Yeah. He was way too like, oh, let's let this thing live and let's be, you know, yeah. like don't kill it. Like when when in the, the original 54 and they shot the spear gun at it, he was like, what are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, this thing's trying to kill us, you yeah. know? Is your David has he been in the field that much or is he more of like... No, he's real green. Yeah, okay, yeah, absolutely. Green, so that, yeah. that makes complete sense then because he's finally out there and he's just really excited to finally exactly. like have the theory behind him and now he's out there in the yeah. field. Yeah. yeah. We cut to dusk. So that plan to find the rocks, that's happening the next day. Most of the crew on the front of the boat having a drink and taking the stunning scenery. Then we move from the front of the boat to the back of the boat where one of the crew is pulling in a net having tried to catch some fish. He's got a couple, but mostly it's empty. Then the net gets caught. He tugs on it, but can't quite get it free. So he leans over the side of the boat to see what it's caught on. And he spots something under the water. And very slowly we see a hand, the same hand that emerged from the crevasse, rise up out of the water. The crewman's stunned, open mouth. He's just hypnotized by this weird occurrence. Doesn't even think to say anything. The hand raises one needle-like finger and quick as a flash hooks its claw through his cheek and out of his mouth like a fish caught on the end of the line. And with barely a splash, it yanks him down into the water. Oh my gosh. Fuck. We hold there, watching the ripples disappear, then move back up to the front of the boat. Everyone's oblivious to what just happened. Oh. So for me, I want He doesn't let out a scream, nothing. Nothing, no. Nah. Because it's too quick, yeah? It's too quick. That's the idea. Like, first he's just sort of shocked that this is happening. So I wanted to use the hand thing. Yeah. Because, like, I, again, in the 50 version, they would have just had the hand because it was a cheaper way to show the monster without yeah. showing the whole monster. I wanted to have some way to bring it in where it actually kind of got cool. utilised. So we move back to the front of the boat. Everyone's having a good time and we kind of see that, oh, look, these expeditions, there is a fun side to them, you know, it's not just all work. David grabs a couple of beers from an esky, hands one to his brother. Kenan's looking a bit more relaxed. He's still looking kind of a bit tired and sickly from the day, but music's playing and it's all, it's all good. Suddenly there's a splash near the front of the boat and something leaps out of the water onto the boat. It's this weird creature. It's not the creature, but it's a creature. It kind of looks like a frog, except bigger like the size of a small dog and its skin is kind of saggier and its back has these weird plates running down it it's kind of cute in an ugly way you know (laughs) what i mean what the fuck is that kenning cries in disgust i have no idea david says with delight moving closer (laughs) to it it sees him and then pulls back its lips to reveal tiny rows of pointed teeth it leaps for david who instinctively hits it with his unopened beer bottle knocking it to the deck (laughs) the frog thing jumps up and williams pulls her knife don't kill it david cries Williams hesitates and it jumps across to land near Carl. He looks at the thing wearily when it spits at him straight in the eyes. The spit sizzles and blood immediately starts running down Carl's face. He leaps to his feet in panic and pain, starts running around wildly and before anyone can stop him, he falls over the rail and into the water. The frog thing jumps down after him. Everyone rushes to the rail. They see Carl thrashing the water. Then all of a sudden a jerk and something pulls him down below and he's lost. Holy shit, David says on the boat. 
William turns to him, furious. Maybe he didn't respect it enough, she snaps at him, for ordering everyone below deck and to attack on sight if they see one of these things again. The next day, and Williams explains to the crew that the plans changed. Without Carl to test the rock samples, they're instead going to get as many bodies in the water as possible in teams of two, one to search for the skeleton and for the other to disperse Marianne's powder. Keenan wants to join them to be there for his brother, but he's still looking sick. He's kind of sweaty now, a bit of red like under his skin. And David tells him, look, you've obviously got an infection. Have some rest. You know, we'll be fine. We see bodies fall into the water, pair off and start moving to different areas of the lagoon. Leeches are everywhere, as are some of the frog things. But within the clouds of the white powder dispersing, the people are safe. So, this look, I'm taking liberties here, but just imagine that every time they're moving about the water, there's someone sort of giving a nice cloud of protection around them. Sure. So, this cloud doesn't affect humans? No, it doesn't affect humans. (laughs) Just the leeches and the frog things, all right? (laughs) We follow two of the crew as they swim about the lagoon. The camera moves above them and through the blooms of the powder, we see a shadow following underneath. It mimics their movements, almost like a real shadow, but then it begins to rise and rise We cut to David and Williams. David throws powder as Williams explores. Across their vision comes a small stream of red unfurling through the water. They both stop, catching the colour, confused. Then Williams is on the move, trailing the blood back to its source. They find a body on the lagoon floor, the previous powder thrower. His wetsuit and face are sliced through with claw marks as more of the powder leaks from the bag around him, creating a cloud on the edges of which the leeches wait hungry. But there's more blood leading away from the body. Williams takes chase again and follows it to a crevasse, only to catch the feet of the creature disappear into it and the flash of a body in its arms. What's left of the crew gather back onto the boat, as Williams and David try to explain what they saw. Wait, so there's an alive one of these creatures, Keenan says. Yes, William tells him. Keenan's confused, he's like, but didn't you say the fossil was found from the Devonian era? That would mean this species has been living here unknown for thousands of years. Millions, actually, Williams tells him. And yes, that's exactly right. This thing is a survivor, but for all we know, this might be the last one, which is why we need to capture it. What? Keenan cries. It killed two of our crew, not to mention the one that's gone missing. And Carl, what about him? We need to leave now before anyone else gets hurt. He turns to David, to his brother for support, but doesn't find it. David wants this as much as Williams, although for different reasons. This is too important, he tells his brother, siding against him, and Keenan storms off below deck. We cut to night. Everybody sleeps. We move into David's room, where he wakes with a start, unsure why. Did he hear something? He leaves his room and heads up on deck and slips in a pool of water. (laughs) He looks down to see wet, webbed footprints. (laughs) He follows them, making his way to Keenan's room, where there, leaning over him, is the creature. Oh boy. Through the moonlight streaming in through the window, we see it for the first time. This isn't the creature from the 50 movies. (laughs) This is the creature if Gilmiro del Toro did a Uh. version of it. It could have stepped right out of Pan's Labyrinth. It's stretched long, it's over six feet tall, it's skinny and with claws on either hand. Gills sag and flap from its neck and underarms. And its back seems to have a hunch on it until we realise that it's actually just a mound of the squirming leeches. Oh. The creature yeah. looks primed to stick one of its long needle-like claws into the still sleeping Keenan. David reacts, picks up an oxygen tank and brings it down hard onto the creature, causing one of the leeches from its back to drop off and flop to the floor. As for the creature, it seems to do little damage. The creature spins its head around towards David and lets out a gargling, choking kind of a cry, its mouth a circle of pointed teeth. One of its arms whips around and with its long hands spread out over David's face, needle-like fingers piercing into the skin at his temples on either side of his head, and it slowly raises him off the ground. 
He lets out a muffled scream against the creature's hand and a pair of scissors slam into the back of the creature's neck held by Keenan. The creature lets out another gurgling howl and drops David, turning back to Keenan. Its claws pierce down into his shoulder as it brings its face close to his. David leaps back to his feet, pulls the scissors free from the creature's back and stabs it a number more times. It bats him away to the side of the room, picks Keenan up, still with its claws in its shoulder and exits. David jumps to his feet, narrowly avoiding the leech on the floor and takes chase. He comes out onto the deck and sees the creature to his left. Then he hears, duck! He turns to see Williams behind him, spear gun loaded. He quickly ducks just before the spear gun fires and the spear flies over his head to hit the creature in the side. It drops Keenan and jumps into the water. Oh boy, I thought you were going to put a spear through Keenan. I did consider it. David runs over to Keenan. He he just looks like shit. He's covered in blood. David hugs him, tells him, you know, you saved my life. And Keenan's like, well, I am your guardian angel. Oh. Some crew take Keenan below deck to patch him up and Williams approaches. David thanks her for saving Keenan. She sort of says jokingly but gently, you didn't want to try patting it and giving it a treat. (laughs) David laughs bitterly. He's like, oh, not with all those leeches on its back. She's like, yeah, what was that about? David responds, I don't know. But when I saw it over Keenan, I just wanted to hurt it. Hurt it in any way I could to stop it from attacking my brother. More, I wanted to kill it. Survival and reproduction, she says. It never fails. He says, well, Keenan doesn't affect my survival or reproduction. But she says, he's your brother, which means he carries 50% of your genes. That's all reproduction is, ensuring your genes gets passed on. Why do you think we're so protective, even for our extended family? Love, he says. (laughs) She laughs. (laughs) Then realisation hits. The leeches, he says. What, she asks. The frogs. What? The creature. He looks up at her. They're all part of the same family. Hell, Uh, they're all part of the same species. They're just different versions of the same life cycle. The leeches are like tadpoles. That's why it had them on its back. They're its babies. Shit, she says. You're right. But wait, there are millions of those fucking leeches and plenty of the frog things. Why haven't we only seen one of these creatures? I don't know, David responds. They must be missing whatever catalyst they need for the metamorphosis. David's stunned despite all the horror. This is amazing. This is more than he's ever hoped for. Then William says his name. She says, David, you know, if we can't capture this creature tomorrow, we may have to kill it to bring it home. David hesitates. This goes against everything he believes and he wants to conserve species, not control or eliminate them. Then he sees Keenan's bloodstain on the deck and nods. The next day, what's left of the crew, excluding Keenan and Mary Ann, dive down. They have nets and spear guns. They're going to war. They're going to capture this creature. We follow David as he moves with William slowly through the water. We have the usual piece of the quiet underwater, broken only by David's breathing through his oxygen tank. Except it's not peaceful now. It's tense. While they look for the creature, they know just how easily it could be watching them. One crew passes around them with the powder, again creating like a field of battle, and another crew member starts to indicate frantically, and from the other end of the lagoon, we see the creature approach. It does so calmly, slowly, and we take in the full horror of it. It's almost curious in the way it approaches them, and David holds up a hand for everyone just to remain calm. Maybe this doesn't have to be a struggle. If he can make this thing feel safe, then perhaps... But then the creature moves, and if it was a threat on the boat, it is unstoppable force in the water. It flies through the water, changing direction in a flicker, and within a second it has lanced two of the crewmen on its long claws. A third tries to get a net over it, but it swims around and bites down on the shoulder of the net thrower. Its teeth gnaw until the man's arm comes free in its mouth and blood (laughs) fills the water, drawing the leeches and the frog thing, making them bold. Williams fires her spear gun and wings it in the leg. 
it turns towards her. Two more crewmen approach from behind it, but almost as if it has eyes in the back of the head, it flicks around, lashing out with its feet. It slices the throat of one, and the other manages to back off, only to pass outside the field of the powder where two frog things are quickly on her, using their sharp teeth to tear through her wetsuit and into her flesh, followed by leeches who wriggle in through the tears of her suit to the skin underneath. (laughs) The creature then flies off, the two bodies still pinned in its claws. David and Williams, the only two left now, follow. It heads towards the crevasse and down into the dark. They pause, look at each other, then follow. Darkness. Then we hear splashing and an inhalation of breath, then crack as David breaks two green glow sticks into life. And we see he and Williams have come up into an underground cave. They climb up out of the water and ditch their gear except for the net and spear gun and follow a trail of blood and water into the cave. The glow sticks provide a small and eerie halo of green light around them, showing close by stalactites and boulders, but little else. The creature could be anywhere. Slowly, they follow the trail of blood. They get to the end, but they don't find the creature. Instead, they find all the lost members of their crew. All of them are here. All of them are alive. The one that was fishing, Carl, even the two that got taken. But they're close to death. They are all bloated and red with their hair falling out and blood leaking from their eyes and nose and ears and fingernails anywhere it can make an escape. Williams kneels down in front of the blind Carl. Carl, it's, it's Williams. Where is it, Carl? Do you know where it's gone? Have you heard anything? We need to find it. He looks up at her, his eyes ruined and leaking blood, and responds by vomiting up blood all over himself. He raises a shaky hand to wipe his mouth, and we see that it is covered by many of the three ringed leech bites. David sees this and shines the light over at the rest of the bodies, and sure enough, every single one of them have multiple bites all over them. David finally gets it. Keenan, he cries and runs back towards his gear. David, Williams yells as he leaves her in the dark. David gets back to the boat and frantically climbs the ladder, kicking his gear off, yelling Keenan's name. He rushes down into the bowels of the boat and into Keenan's room. His single leech bite worked slower, but he's bloated and bloody and dead. Oh, motherfucker. Yep. David kneels down next to his bed and whispers his brother's name, tells him to wake up, tells him he's his guardian angel, says that he's sorry, then can't say anything as his words become incomprehensible. David just stays there with his brother. But then he hears a door creak behind him and turns, ready to attack, only to see Williams. She sees Keenan. Shit. Sorry, David. It's blood, he says, defeated. Sorry? It's blood. That's what provides the catalyst for metamorphosis. The creature provides the bodies, but they need a lot of blood, even more than what a normal human body or any animal would provide. So that's where the leeches come in. They're the real killer. Their bites must inject something that causes an increase in red blood cells so many that their body just becomes a big sack of blood ready for consumption. He's silent for a beat. Then, he didn't even want to come here. He didn't even like all of this. Another beat as he composes himself. We need to kill it, he says. Williams nods in agreement and is about to say something else when they hear a shout from Marianne on deck. They rush out there, but she's alone and safe. She's just looking out over the end of the boat. What is it? Williams yells out. She tells them, I think something's torn the engine apart. I can't. The creature leaps from the water, rushes up the boat like a lizard to slam its claws into Marianne's throat. It turns to look at David and Williams and casually tosses Marianne into the water behind it and climbs up into the boat. Williams just reacts. She picks up a bag of powder near her and charges at it, throwing the powder in its face. It temporarily blinds the creature, but it's long enough for Williams to grab a net and throw it over it. But it leaps at her, still in the net, and through the netting slices its hands straight into her belly. David picks up a spear gun and fires, hitting it through the shoulder and pinning it to the side of the boat. The creature struggles and is starting to pull itself free. 
Williams manages to rise despite her injuries and grabs the tangle of netting and pulls back on them with all her strength to keep the creature pinned to the boat. My knife, Williams calls out, indicating to the machete strapped to her leg. David rushes in and grabs it, raises it above the creature ready to strike when one of its flailing legs knocks it out of his hand and over the boat. Williams is losing strength and it's clear that it's only a few moments before the creature will get free. David looks around, desperate, and sees the dropped bag of powder. With determination, he grabs a handful of the stuff and shoves his arm down the creature's throat. The creature's teeth tear David's arms to ribbons, but he keeps it there, screaming through the pain to ensure the creature has no option but to swallow the powder. (laughs) Agonizingly slowly, its movements stop. The poison kicks in and it loses consciousness. (gasps) David rips his ruined arm free and Williams collapses onto the boat, her life leaking out of her. It's not dead yet, she tells him. You have to destroy it. You have to destroy all of it and all evidence of it. No one can know about this thing, David, about this place. People, well, they're too much like you. (laughs) Too trusting. If they come here, everything will just repeat itself. And the more bodies that go into the water, the more of these things we'll see. And then there'll be an army of them. And it won't take long for them to leave this lagoon and spread. This is a creature of a lost age and that's where it needs to stay. David nods, crying as she dies. Cut to evening. David sits in a small raft on the river just outside the lagoon, looking back at the boat as it burns. We move inside it and through the flames we see all the bodies of the crew. David's gone back down to collect them so the leeches can't use them as a food source. And we see Keenan and we see Williams. We see the fossilised hand and finally we see the creature as flames start to pass over its comatose body. Later, and David's all but unconscious as his raft floats down the river in the middle of the wilderness, he seems sure to die right up until we hear a boat engine approaching. A number of boat engines, actually. He sits up and sees boats fly past him and one pulls up next to him where they help him on board. What, what's happening, he asks. How are you all here? Why are you all here? One guy, young, excited, tells him, Your photo, man. It's gone viral. And holds up the selfie he took with Keenan and the fossilised arm. The whole world wants to see what else they can find here. <laughs> David's head drops and he knows this is far from over. Fuck, man. <laughs> I just nearly fell off my seat. <laughs> oh, Jesus. fuck. Yeah. Naturally, would you think there would be a sequel to that? Or is uh, that just like one of those gut wrenching sort of it, endings it sort where you're like. It sets it up for one. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it definitely sets it up for one because, like, obviously these things aren't indestructible, but they're fairly, you know, deadly, I guess. So you could either, you know, insinuate, well, the world's kind of fucked now because these yeah. things yeah. are so deadly. Or you could have, yeah, the next one where it's like, Instead of Planet of the Apes, you've got Planet of the Creatures from the Black Lagoon Ooh. where they sort of take over the world. And That's pretty cool. We've got to have yeah. wars against them. Basically. Because, I mean, it's what she said. At the, you know, she said if yeah. if they have the chance, then more of them will it'll exactly. spread and they'll take yeah. over. But this yeah. lagoon's Fuck. been so secluded for so long that they've never had that chance. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. 
Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Oh, I would just say, just on the selfie, mm. perhaps the selfie needs something a little more than just a fossilized hand because I don't think you would get that outpouring of people okay. just based off of that because we could just make a hand yeah, no, and be like oh yeah, look at yeah, this yeah, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. yeah but like it's not yeah, yeah like, but that's it, as little Instagram isn't like, exactly the most you know <laughs> <laughs> that's as little a thing as like he takes a selfie with his brother and then at a certain point in the movie he realises the creature's in the back of it or yeah, some okay. shit like that yeah see that would be nice too but yeah, yeah. oh man the brother yeah see I I hated David yeah and you kind of meant to because yeah. like like in the movie his character is likable and like obviously he's he's like he's almost too good because he's the lovely you know partner to Kay as much as he's not ready to marry her just yet those yeah. old fifties <laughs> problems you Don't know six months <laughs> yeah mate. right but otherwise he's always kind of too perfect yeah he is Where, he's not really flawed at all he's not he? really flawed at all and like, outside of the fact that he wouldn't kill it because he's like well right but yeah. even that's sort of seen as the right thing to do yeah where I picked on that I'm like. What? Yeah. <laughs> Why would you do that? This thing, you know, it needs to be killed. I will say when you got to that part of the pitch or towards mm. the end when David was like, all right, no, uh, yeah. basically after Keenan died, yes. I was like, I actually, I have, I've hated David, yeah. but what you've done like in terms of a character arc is actually really nice. Yeah. yeah. Because, yeah. I mean, I guess I, I was looking at it from that thing where I'm like, oh, but I hate the protagonist. Mm. But of course- you fill the movie with other characters who we do like. Right, like Williams, and that's the things. Know? Yeah, well, Williams, because Williams was obviously based off of that, the the male character who was his sort of competition and was keen on Kay in the movie. Yeah. But originally she was going to be more like that character and basically an arsehole. But I realised, no, no, she's the one who actually, she's experienced. She's been in the field for a while. She knows far more than he does. And, yeah, her point of view at the start, while maybe a bit jaded, is just realistic. Yeah. Like, nature can fuck you up. You need yeah. to be on guard. You need to be ready. Like, you know, even just a parasite that gets into your skin, if you're not prepared for that, yeah. you're going to die, you know? So, <sighs> yeah, David was basically, he's definitely not a likable character. But, no. you know, he, that just gives him more to learn, I guess. Yeah. The thing I really liked is the creature itself. Because obviously in the fifties version, it's slow and it's it's just a guy in a suit, sort of lumbering <laughs> yeah, yeah. around. But yes. in this, it's, it's so like anytime you had the creature in this, it it's just so threatening. Yeah, again, well, like I said, because you have to show the, for these sorts of horror movies where you have to show the creature or the, the villain so early, you lose that great part of horror where yeah, your imagination is worse than than the reality of it. So the only way I could think to overcome that and like what would gross me out the most? What's the creepiest kind of image I can come up with? Yeah. And then that's when I thought of, you know, Gilmuro del Toro's Pan's Labyrinth. I'm like, that freaked me out. <laughs> like that was quite good at the freaky. And interestingly, uh, Gilmuro del Toro was actually set a few years ago to remake The Creature from the Black Lagoon. Oh, really? It's kind of fell thing, through. Yeah. It is very much. I would, I, I I would love that, to see his version you know, of it. You know the Pan's Labyrinth one where it's got the eyes the eye on the hand, hands? Exactly. Yeah, that creature. Yeah. That, that's such a disturbing scene. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and that's, Horrific. Yeah. Yeah. Like he's, he'd kind of be the perfect director for something like right. this. Right, because he shows the monster, but you're still 
terrified. Yeah. You know, it doesn't break the illusion or anything like that. Yeah. He'd take it, I think, to like a further extreme where he'd I have he'd more would, yeah. mutated creatures and yes. stuff like that. And that's it. And like, that's why obviously I'd like the, the le- leeches and the frog thing. But I, that was more just because I like the idea that this thing has a life cycle. I like the science behind it, yeah. you know, and the, the reveal that, yeah, they're all one species, you know. That was cool. I, I can't stand leeches and I like oh, I, you guys can't see us but I spent the whole pitch kind of being like uh, yeah I, I can't even, yeah, yeah I was kind of like just I'm very uncomfortable yeah <laughs> well it's interesting so obviously uh, Holly and I recently come back from Borneo where we each had a leech it fixed itself to us at one point uh, and how they, long? oh it was probably on there for maybe half an hour before we realized oh, shit we got back to our accommodation and this and then Holly saw hers and it's like this was, it's huge. It was huge, but it's like really, it's the size of my pinky or something like that. But so she was like, "All right, stay calm, stay calm. I'm going to get it off." And we didn't salt. You meant to use salt or get like can, you can't just rip it off. You, no, no, no. You, you, you can't. Well, can you? You can. It's it's really hard. So like them sucking on is legit. Like she was pulling on this thing and it wasn't moving. That's so gross. And it's painful. And you're not meant to because it's yeah. Uh, no, like like I said, it's it's actually you don't even know it's there. That's the trick. That's why they're so oh disgusting, and. Finally, she got her, managed to get her fingernail under it and sort of half rip it off with a bit of, uh, but then it was just bleeding nonstop because they put an anticoagulant in with their mouths and it's just horrific. So I'm like, I'll get rid of it. You go clean up your wound, you know, and by then it had suckered to the floor. Oh my gosh. And so I've got a tissue and I'm trying to pull it up, but it's just like stretching. And then finally I like, don't know what to do. And then it spins around and its head, head is sort of just reaching and searching for like anything it can uh, it was just oh so disgusting so do you use salt or what you meant to use salt but we're I just we supposed to like hold like prepared. a flame under it or something yeah flame works well salt so that's, sort of, that's yeah. where my mind was going throughout your pitch I was kind of like at right. some point some motherfucker's going to step forward with a flamethrower right <laughs> yeah instead I went for magical powder <laughs> <laughs> but it's that same thing as the 50s version where it's yeah, scientists I mean, that's who aren't preparing on. to fight yes they're just exactly going there right. to look at fossils yeah. and yeah. study the you know, yeah. environment. But suddenly they're in the situation yeah. where they have to. Yeah, and like arguably- Which is where an aerosol can and a lighter come in here. Yeah, see, I could have thrown that one in tonight. <laughs> but like for, that's the thing for horror. Like I remember listening to this podcast once, a writing podcast, and I'm talking about writing horror, and they said basically you need to get your character so far out of their element that there's sort of- you don't even know how they're going to get out of it. And that's for these guys. They're just scientists. Yeah, they're digging up fossils, you know. Yeah. And that's what was so great about the original. Then all of a sudden they're in this thing where- Okay, we should we should try to capture it, right? Because that's a scientific thing to do, you know. Mm-hmm. But they're just not prepared for the results of yep. what this actually brings. But it's great because it's got that interesting thing where it's if it was like this action film where it's like you know a bunch of action heroes, yeah, they're not going to figure out that. Well, right. they probably they'll have a movie, guns, They probably would, but it'll be just some shoot lame. It. Like where I purpose, I'm like, I don't want anybody here to have a gun. Like maybe they would. They're in Brazil, but they're also in the middle of the Amazon. Like, yeah. You know, yeah, you're probably going to have a machete, but you might not have a gun. What's well, it's spot on because again, it's scientists going to study. They're yeah. not expecting conflict to, to take you know on I mean? uh, you know these yeah. that's kind of creatures. silly for them to have guns right like, yeah, yeah yeah it's kind of like because damo you're a scientist it's kind of like you being sent out in the field and then going before you leave like here you go mate you better take this yeah. gun like, or what? just like <laughs> strapping up in the typical action movie you know putting an arsenal on scene. myself time to do some science <laughs> you know <laughs> all right cool on that note i've been damien i've been carney I've been Kath. And if you have any thoughts, ideas, comments, just want to say hi, want to give us your perfect Creature from the Black Lagoon pitch, you can send us an email at moviemaintenance at sanspantsradio.com or find us on Twitter at mmsanspants or on our individual Twitters. I'm at Midday Pajamas. I'm at Sidekick of Dowie. I'm at Kath at five. 
You don't even know you're on Twitter. Is that oh, right? Yeah. Is that right? Is that right? She had it. Kat, oh, Kathy is at Kath Atkins 5. Oh. <laughs> Come on, mate. I <laughs> Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. If you want to help support the show, why not become a member at sanspantsplus.com and get early access to our shows, a bunch of exclusive content, and much, much more. That's sanspantsplus.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.